spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 93rd annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. You know, I wish that we had something to talk about. It's been a really slow week for the news, <laughs> so hopefully we'll figure out something to talk about. Well, you're you're in luck. I have something for you. It's called right. uh, the hillbilly invasion of uh, of the Capitol building, which is obviously <laughs> very big news right now. Um, and as you, we were talking off the show, you kind of, uh, we briefly talked about, they said they were meeting on uh, the 6th to dispute the election results, but uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody thought they were going to take it quite that far. No, especially not, uh, yeah, the police who, you know, they had that really great presence out front of the Capitol building. So <laughs> good to know that the senators and Congress people are protected. I did read that. The governor, uh, actually, before they got there, or as they were there or something, um, had requested to send the National Guard prior to that happening, and he was, apparently nobody was answering the phone or something. Like, they just kind of were like, nah, you don't need to do that. The governor of, of what? Uh, Maryland, I guess, or... Some, oh, Virginia, some, one of those yeah, two? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it was an article that was coming out today. He said he was trying to preemptively send him there, but, uh, they just said, nah, we don't need you. Oh, his, uh, yeah, I don't know. Might be just trying to cover his ass. I'm not here. I haven't heard that today. Oh, I, yeah, I just, I just read it today. I I don't really know. My favorite part about the whole thing is now that, um, as Trump will do, as the coward he is, he is now, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, taking back everything that he said. And now the comments from his people, some are saying that he's just doing it because he has no choice. And some are actually straight up now saying, oh, Donald's not a true patriot and this and that. So it's like they have a identity crisis going on. Yeah, I don't know. I did hear that there were some revisionists histories going on about who actually invaded the Capitol building. Um, you know, I didn't really hear about the Trump supporters who were turning their backs on Trump, but yeah. Yeah. I can see that happening. My favorite quote of his, I think he tweeted this, was, even though I'm the greatest one-term president this country's ever seen, I will uh, hand over power peacefully, but don't forget, in 2024, we're going to make America even greater than it's already been. Like, oh my <laughs> God. What sort of a fucking fantasy world is this guy living in? I don't know. It's just it's just amazing how crazy you can, like the, the crazy shit you can just kind of come up with. It's like when it comes to him, it just knows no bounds. Like the narcissistic behavior, the the overzealousness, all of it. Just there's no there's no limit to it. There is no like spilleth over. It just keeps rising and rising, you know? Oh, I, I, I kind of, uh, briefly mentioned this to you prior to recording as well. Um, so I was watching the senators talk after they resumed and everything. Uh, it's, it's, it, I'm sorry. It's confirmed. Now, Lindsey Graham is the biggest snake I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he, he was one of them. He should have charges against him for telling the whatever, uh, what was it, the governor of Georgia to, like, find votes or disqualify votes or something. And now he's standing up there saying, you know what? I didn't vote for Joe Biden, but Joe Biden's our president. This is ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, dude, you were part of this. Fucking yeah, him, him and Mar- Yeah, him and Marco Rubio are now, like, Playing the victim. It's just like, God, you guys are such fucking snakes, dude. Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz? Uh, they didn't let Ted talk. I know oh, that for certain. They, for cer- Ted talk? they okay. did not let Ted talk. I know that for certain. 
I know he's been getting in front of every single camera he can find for the past couple of weeks. So I didn't know if Ted Cruz was skating on the other way. He has definitely let him fucking let himself go Mike, in, the, in the past yeah, few years. I was going to say he's starting to look more and more like fucking the Zodiac. Or yeah. was it? No, he was a Zodiac. George Bush was Ted Bundy. That's what it was. Um, yeah, the... My favorite part was they, you know, every single one of them got up there and they're telling about some historical event in America and yada, yada. Well, this one guy gets up there. I don't remember where he's from. He's like, you know what? I was a gynecologist. And then he starts talking about women's organs for like five minutes. I'm like, Jesus. Okay. These guys are talking about history. You're over here talking about your medical procedures. And I'm just, it just felt really out of place. I, I would recommend anyone go go ahead and take a look at that. It was uh, felt very out of place. Yeah. Well, I mean, last week we did talk about the Boogaloo Boys and the the Proud Boys <laughs> and getting angry because the cops were starting to stand against them. So I hope that they're you know a little bit happier with the treatment that they got this time around, with the oh. cops just kind of letting them walk into the Capitol. I know you don't agree with that, you know, happening that way, but it sure does fucking look like it when you see those videos. Oh, I mean, I can certainly believe that happened. And what I'm saying is I'm not going to agree with people who think that they're just Antifa members. No, I don't agree with that either. Yeah. That's obvious. But just <laughs> like we're talking about the Boogaloo Boys uh, being at that protest or the riot or whatnot. I don't actually think that the Boogaloo Boys were at that riot. And let me tell you why. I didn't see one single 300-pound midlife crisis case out there with cheeto fingers like waiting for himself to get like picked up by his mom so i really don't think the boogaloo boys were out there <laughs> i've had the average it was a little too low for them to be there. i i had that that boogaloo boys thing stuck in my head the way you say it yeah that oh. whole time it was going on the boogaloo boys yeah the boogaloo <laughs> boys also uh thank you so much to rj for uh sending us that delightful video of that man who severely needs mental help uh the shaman trump shaman guy oh yeah is it the guy with wearing the horns yeah and he's saying he is talking to his spirit i don't know he's fucking insane yeah he's one of those youtube personality people he's actually from des moines oh oh lord well thanks for putting another shit stain on iowa but uh but anyway phil let's uh <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of action by next week. We'll be able to talk about. Also, let's make one quick prediction before we get in the episode. Are the are the, is this clan going to show up for inauguration day on the twentieth? Well, it's funny you mentioned clan because it sure looked like there was a few members of the clan out there. <laughs> but I think that for something like that, they are going to. So the thing is, the inauguration isn't going to be a big outside event like it's always been. It's going to be True. like with Biden doing it, it's going to be much more low key True. and it's not going to be like outside with shit tons of people. It's probably going to be like inside, I imagine. And they're probably just going to have him give a, a speech remotely, like to the Internet, not really to a crowd. So, uh, well, I guess we won't get to see if there's aliens watching then. God damn it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One thing we should mention We've actually gotten three Patreons in the past five days. Oh, yes. We need to thank we them. Should, yeah, we should thank them really quick. So thank you really quick for joining the Cabal, Elizabeth, Jonathan, and Haley. Those are our threeest, three newest Patreon members. So thanks, guys. That's thank great. you so much. And everybody uh, should have been getting their cards now. We did receive a message from Katie. Thank you so much for that. Uh, anyway, Phil. Let's ha let's take ourselves back to our childhoods a little bit here. Do you remember the event known as Y2K? Yes, I do remember. Your family was putting on the New Year's party that year, and you guys invited me, so I was hanging out with you guys on that Y2K, on Hell the yeah. year 2000 New Year's. Hell yeah. This uh, I wanted to take this episode in a in one direction, and I once I started getting into this, I actually um, kind of took it in another. So this is going to be, for me, when I was building it, it's more of a kind of figuring out what exactly went on during the whole thing and prior to it. Now, we would have been, what, 13? 14, 14? 14, yeah. yeah, so like, I, 
I mean, to be honest, I didn't really comprehend all the shit that happened there. You know, I was just kind of like, is something going to happen or not? You know, that was kind of a, a fear or whatever. So let me start off here. Way back in the year 1999, there was a giant fear that our reliance on computers was going to be our undoing. Why? Well, because there was genuinely a giant fear that computers were not programmed to handle switching from the year 1999 to 2000. Most believed that it would instead roll to 1900 or 2099, both of which would cause massive computer errors. It would cause transportation, communications, finance, and other essential systems to fail. Perhaps it would cripple our national defense and would leave the world in a total blackout, which in turn would cause pandemonium. Obviously, in hindsight, we know that none of that happened, but it was a legitimate fear around the world because it technically was unknown what was going to happen when that date switched over. How, okay, during the time period, take me through, how did you feel as a 14-year-old? I remember, well, you got to remember too, year 2000, we had computers, they weren't great. We also lived in uh, Cresco, Iowa. We had internet, it definitely was not great by any means. So I didn't really know a ton about computers at all. I knew even less about the internet I mean, I used it sometimes at the library to get cheat codes off the internet for the games (laughs) that we were playing, but that was pretty much it. So I didn't realize how integrated the entire world was into computers and technology and machines uh, at that age, at that time. If it happened now, I would know that we were, oh, fucked, totally fucked. But I didn't know. The thing is, is like technically where we were, we if something did happen, like a massive blackout, we probably would have been in a lot better shape than like big cities. Um, you know, obviously big cities when big catastrophes like that happen is like because you can't escape because there's so many people, you know. Um, yeah. But in a, we were on a farm in the middle of nowhere. But I remember, but you got to remember, I was a anxiety riddled young man. Uh, I was kind of like. Holy fuck, what if something happens? But that's just how my brain works. Um, I want to I wanna play this little video here, and then after it's over, Phil, I want you to tell me if you can guess who's narrating this bad boy. Okay. Our civilization. Our human innovations. How could the oh, omission of two simple digits affect the destiny of all humankind? Why <laughs> 2K? What does it mean? How will it affect you, your family, your community, your nation, our world? Y2K, how can we prepare individually? How can we work together as global neighbors to make the best of whatever may occur before and after January 1st of the year 2000? Y2K, from its historical roots to its possible effects on the future of civilization, Effects that are so complex that perhaps only chaos theory could calculate the multiple ramifications of what may occur. There it is. Uh, You did guess it right. That was, in fact, Leonard Nimoy. I don't know if he was that hard up for work. He agreed (laughs) to do that or not. But, uh, yeah, holy shit, though. I'm assuming that was released in 1999. That's, like, below SD, like fucking uh definition at this point it's so bad it looks so bad oh yeah we didn't realize that at the time but the tvs that we were watching were absolutely fucking dog shit (laughs) before the HD rollout yeah it ah god it looks bad i don't i don't know if it was like they were having a problem moving from um like crt technology into like higher definition it kind of got stuck in this weird like grainy area or whatever but man that looks fucking terrible but uh but yeah leonard uh he he kind of explained it was a big unknown and i kind of want to go into basically the history of how this all kind of got started and it's actually very interesting um kind of what started this whole thing now apparently the 
first ever mention of a problem came from a man named Bob Burner way back in 1958. He was working with genealogical software and spent the next 20 years trying to convince programmers at IBM, the government of the United States, and ISO, or International Organization for Standardization, (laughs) to fix the problem, but it didn't get any backing at all. So this man knew that date problem or the dates were going to become a problem eventually. Like, think about that. He knew the ship could be a problem way back in 1958. So I like when I saw that, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, that's kind of weird that there was 40 years of some guy basically saying all of this shit and no one would believe him. It, it's one of those things where you can kick down the can or kick the can down the road, I should say. And it, co- it would have costed money to change the software. And no company wants to do that. Just put it out there for as cheap as possible. You know, make the money. We'll move it along. Move it along. You know, well, we're going to know the thing I learned the most about Y2K. The government, when it comes to <laughs> any sort of potential catastrophe, they're fucking horrible at doing anything. Like, if you think back to, like, let's say, obviously, 2020 is a big problem. Um, You take Hurricane Katrina. You take this problem. Like, it's just like they can't fix anything. Or they don't try to fix anything. I don't know which one it is, but it's, it's crazy. Yeah, you just hope that the Band-Aids hold the shit together before any major catastrophe happens hope that it fixes itself basically Uh, you know i was kind of thinking about it this way if we think about the u.s government not necessarily i mean it is the government but it's not necessarily the government it's the fact that there's so many people involved in the government like if we talk about a corporation how many people are involved in that fixing one problem is a big problem because you're relying on so many people to try to fix it you know what i mean Yeah, especially, well, when you talk about bureaucracies and everyone has to be involved, everyone wants a little piece because a little piece means more funding, more money, more recognition, better jobs in the future, promotions. So you get all of these people who want to have a little piece of it. And then when it comes down to doing the real work, they kind of shit the bed because they didn't actually want to do the work. (laughs) That's a sad truth, isn't it? Now, interestingly... They actually had a fear that September 9th, 1999 was going to cause a problem because of 9999, because 9999 at that time, as far as coding goes, means the end of a code file, if that makes sense. So they thought that date was going to give computers problems because usually when computers recognize 9999 that means like that's the end of the program or something like that so that's kind of interesting but obviously that didn't happen and i couldn't tell if that was like a fear prior to the y2k fear but uh that was a fear and that one kind of makes sense why they might be concerned about that yeah i actually heard about that the first time from an episode we you got to understand we only had three channels at the time we were watching the show Touched by an Angel, and <laughs> okay. on one of the episodes, there was a crazy person who thought that the world was going to end on September 9th, 1999, much because of the same reason. They thought that it was going to be some big computer crash that was going to happen. So I did hear about this in the past. That The problem is, that is the only time that I ever heard about that problem. Really? So, yeah. Well, I'm assuming people in the technology world at the time knew about it, Um uh, like you mentioned, we were 14, we were in rural Iowa, like the computers were pretty fucking bad. You'd be well, lucky if Minesweeper didn't crash your computer. We were lucky that the lights flipped on when you hit the switch. <laughs> I mean, yeah. basically, we were living there. It's a little surprising that if, well, the thing is, if there was problems with the whole Y2K thing for the internet and computers, it probably wouldn't hit Iowa for another five years after, something right. like 2005, right. just because we were so far in the past. Still are. Still are, by the way. Oh, yeah, they are. Definitely. The true start of y- the Y2K hysteria apparently was started by a South African gentleman by the name of Peter De Yeager, 
1993, he wrote a three-page article for Computer World magazine titled Doomsday 2000. In said article, Peter uh, called the problem we were going to face the Millennium Bug or Year 2000 problem. Do you kind of remember the Millennium Bug thing? Yeah, I remember it being called the Millennium Bug before Y2K caught on. Yeah, that's that's kind of... uh, We'll talk about how Y2K caught on here in a little bit. Now, according to Peter, older hardware and software that would attempt to roll over the dates and were not able to would cause malfunctions on the machines. One of the biggest factors in the belief was that the programmers in the 1960s and 1970s could not program the computer dates to factor in for the turn of the millennium due to the limited capacity of the technology. It was simply too expensive for them to have additional equipment needed to simply add those dates in. Now, for those who might not know much about computers, things like dates seem so simplistic to us today, but we have to remember a computer system from the 1960s and 1970s would have taken up an entire room for one one hundredth of the power of the shittiest computers that you can buy at Best Buy today. So it's completely understandable that they weren't going to dole out the money to fix a problem that was going to happen 40 years down the road or 30 years down the road. So, God, these probably... Like, think about it today. Your computer probably has, Phil, I think yours has, like, what, uh, 16 or 32 gigabytes of RAM or something like that. Um, Yeah, mine's 16. These fucking things probably had, like, 10 kilobytes. Like, it's it's insane how quickly, you know, that technology has, has moved forward. But it's more sad that... Um, this just leads to the fact that companies had not decided to update technology since fucking forever ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, one, one hundredth, the power of the shittiest Best Buy computers. You're talking about almost as bad, possibly even worse than a Walmart computer, (laughs) you know, unusable, basically. I was going to throw in, um, that old notebook you had, but then I couldn't remember the name of it. The old notebook. Oh, the, uh, the fucking... Microsoft Surface Pro. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was it was good when I bought it. <laughs> it and went then back quick. Three weeks later, it decided to upgrade to Windows 10, and then the fucking bottom fell out. See, I wonder if they're kind of leaning on, like, government technology from the 60s and 70s, because as we know, um, they're not big fans of updating uh, any of their technology. Have, haven't they mentioned that, like, our, is it our electric grid or our something grid is like so archaic that it wouldn't take much for it to flop? Well, there's the so the nuclear arms grid in every single system for like the Minutemen and the the nuclear uh, the nukes that are on top of the ICBMs. They by design they have them be the oldest archaic thing, most archaic thing that they can just to keep them. From being manipulated from the outside. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So they still use those gigantic flash drives. The big ones that are the size of like notebooks. Yeah. They still use those bad boys in there. But I thought I've heard like our power grid is like really, really outdated and they never update it. Like I guess it's more on the state side that they need to, you know, keep maintaining all of that stuff. But uh I've yeah, heard that it. would be super fucking expensive. Yeah, that that's what I mean. Like they just don't ever, they don't ever fix anything till it's. Br- I mean, think about the 35e bridge collapse in Minnesota, and then they're like, "Huh, I wonder if we should look at maintaining bridges." And then most of the bridges in Minnesota were like on the verge of collapsing because they never fucking stop and be like, "We need to maintain these things." Yeah, I mean, it's it's there. It works. Don't worry about it. Yeah, know. it's I know I can say now Minnesota, obviously, after they've killed people from a bridge collapse, they're like, OK, now we're going to set a precedent to fix these bridges constantly. Yeah, it's nice that. Well, the shitty thing is something horrible has to happen for government to actually step in and do anything. Yeah. But I mean, it's good that now at least, you know, the bridge isn't going to collapse when you drive over it. True. Um, now, 
as you mentioned, the the nuclear things, interestingly, from the article, and I think while when the Y2K hysteria was going on, there's a lot of talk about these military weapons just launching themselves and stuff. In Peter's article, he does not mention any of that, and he does not mention any blackouts either. Basically, what he's saying is going to be affected is mostly financial institutions and those that use records to match dates to basically match dates, essentially. And um, if the computers cannot process the dates from 2000 and further, it's going to cause problems. Um, Mm. That's kind of what the article was about. Obviously, they were worried about that, but then it kind of morphed into like blackouts, nukes going off and everything out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same problem we have today. Ad revenue. <laughs> I mean, you got to have a better story. You got to, you know, got to push those Hondas. I mean, come on. It's... Don't worry. We're going to we're getting to that part. Don't you worry, Phil. I we're, getting, we're getting to the capitalism part here in a bit. Um, so the easiest way to view how it was going to cause a problem. I'm I've tried to simplify this as much as possible was to imagine when you punch in at work, it may give you a date like. 010821. Okay, today's date. Mm-hmm. Saving the two digits from 2021 helped save a lot of money required in the computing process, as I mentioned. But going from 99 to 00 is going to make the computers interpret it as 1900. Now, initially, Peter was claiming to fix said problems prior to the year 2000 was going to cost an enormous amount of money, somewhere between. 50 to 70 billion dollars but the real cost was going to be about 200 to 300 billion dollars and even though that was 20 years ago i mean that's a lot of i I think inflation has um skyrocketed quite a bit since then so that was quite a bit of money for what 93 i guess 95 somewhere in there um so so yeah that's and that goes for that amount apparently is not just the government that's like the government and businesses to fix their uh, computers and stuff. Yeah, I imagine 200 to $300 billion, what was it, 20, 25 years ago, yeah. in today's money would probably be closer to 400 maybe 500 some in that range. So it's gone up quite a bit. I, I mean, yeah, I would say about $400 billion is mm. the conversion for that time. We could look it up, but it's <laughs> yeah. more. Obviously, for nowadays money. The problem is for all of these. Well, I was going to say the problem. The good thing is it's spread out amongst all of these government organizations, amongst all of these capitalist business, you know, all of the corporations, all of the businesses. It's spread out amongst them. The problem nowadays, though, all of the corporations would want money from the government to fix it. They wouldn't want to do it for just on their own dime. Right. Right. Yeah. This is, uh, this is like a tale of, um, <laughs> How it's, how cheap uh, businesses can be? Yeah, well, I mean, pre two thousand eight, corporations were expected to pay for shit themselves. After two thousand eight, fuck it, gamble. If we if we fucking go, if we lose big, we'll just fucking ask the government to help us out. Well, you know, goddamn well, Bezos ain't paying to upgrade his his computers. Oh, we forgot to talk about that. Ah, goddamn, Jeff Bezos was taken over from being richest man on earth by Elon Musk. So congratulations, Elon Musk. Hopefully you're not assassinated by Bezos. <laughs> well, you know damn well he's going to be. Yeah. I mean, unless Bezos swapped him out for a reptilian. It's the only way I can see Bezos allowing Elon Musk to become the richest man on Earth. How would, how did Elon become the richest man? Like, I, I thought his company always, like, struggles to sell those cars all the time. Yeah, I just saw a big thing that said that his Tesla company was not selling as much as they were supposed to or not making as much as they were supposed to. I thought his all of his companies weren't making quite the money. And like all of the a lot of the the home batteries that were going to help cut down on energy costs and all of that stuff, energy usage. I thought that company took a shit too. So I have no idea how he jetted past Jeff Bezos, especially when Jeff Bezos had the best year of anyone ever. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I could see Tesla going up there when like the vehicles become more like more affordable for like average people. 
Um, yeah. And I don't really think they're quite there. They're getting there. Not quite yet, though. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's I've drove one. They're really nice. But uh, I, I don't know. It's too expensive for my blood right now. Yeah, I could. Yeah, definitely. When they can start driving themselves and it's legal for them to drive themselves when it's legal enough for a car to drive itself with me in the back seat, then I'll buy a Tesla. <laughs> Until then, I'm just going to drive around shitty fucking used cars run them till they die that's the fucking oh that's on the opac crest hell yeah it's just run a it de- it it's just a dead car on your crest your family <laughs> crest it's just a dead car <laughs> park it on the side of the road when it fucking starts on fire well that's for the fire department to take care of now i'm going to the dealership all right phil you ready to get a little silly yeah all right now not surprisingly with the hype and hysteria Peter DeJager eventually registered and built the website www.ear2000.com, which he would later sell probably for a lot of money. Yep. Now, the site was created to compile a huge list of Y2K consultants and experts, which I will get into momentarily here, but we got one more man to talk about. Okay. Now, you might have noticed that I didn't mention the word Y2K in Peter's article. Well, oddly enough, Y2K was actually formed by somebody else on Monday, June 12, 1995. A 52-year-old Massachusetts man named David Eddy, of which was a programmer, said that people at his job were calling it Year 2000 CDC Century uh, Date Change or FADL, Faulty Date Logic. I don't know (laughs) how they got that one. And somehow... Some way, Eddie just came up with the idea of calling it Y2K, being obviously Y is the, or for the year, two being the obvious number, and K meaning thousand. Y2K was born, and from the sounds of it, he basically just started emailing or whatever that to his colleagues, and then that caught on, and then that just spread around the world. So that's uh, that's kind of an interesting story of how Y2K got formed. Now, unless he has actual proof that he is the first person ever to use Y2K, he might be the oldest hipster on Earth. Yeah, I think he is, honestly. He might be a firster. (laughs) A firster. Yeah. He's probably the type that comes in and brags about the ancient poets he read about this weekend or something. Did you hear that I'm the one who came up with Y2K? Also, I'm the first one to ever drink old style beer at a Cubs game. It was me. <laughs> it was me, everybody. Well, it'd be a red. It'd be a Red Sox game, Phil. He's in Massachusetts. Red? Oh, Red Sox. Yeah, that and I just came up with some. I had heard someone saying that they were drinking old style before anyone else. And then I would tell them my dad was drinking old style when I was like four years old. So I love. I love the. Cool I, I love the hipster like uh, wave. Where it was like everybody hated PBR because it tastes like shit. Then the hipsters yep. started drinking it. And now too many people are drinking it. Now it's back down where everyone's like, you know what? This actually kind of tastes like shit. Yeah, people realize it tastes like shit. <laughs> There's uh, So when I was going to college at ASU, I would see a lot of these kids walking around with a coffee from a place called Dutch Bros. I was sitting next to a girl that I went to class with. And I was asking her, like, what is she drinking? Like, because I had just moved there from England. I had no idea. She was saying it was the best coffee, blah, blah, blah. So I went there after school and I got a, like, cup of that coffee. It was some of the worst fucking coffee (laughs) I've ever had in my entire life. I'm pretty sure somebody was just, you know, somebody tried to make it cool. Or maybe the company. The company might have also had an advertising thing. But it caught on. And all of these kids were drinking just the shittiest coffee. It was so much worse than Starbucks, which I actually drank yeah. at the time. It was oh, Starbucks is okay coffee, but yeah, I I know you don't have caribou, but I'm a I'm a caribou fan. It's mostly in the Midwest, but uh, but yeah, I liked caribou when I was there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I don't know why it's just very good and strong and powerful. I don't know, it just tastes amazing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna mention this. I don't know. If David Eddy is the creator of what I'm about to talk about here, but we'll uh, we'll get into it. 
After he, I guess, founded Y2K, the saying, in the year 1999, David Eddy became the president of his company, Y2K Consulting, which ironically started a completely new career opportunity for those who wanted to help those worried about Y2K called Y2K Consultants. Now, initially, this was brilliant because the Y2K Consultants realized the fix prior to everybody else. The only thing they really needed to do to fix the, quote, millennium bug was to perform the repetitive process of checking over data that could be at risk of causing problems with the date change. So you can imagine how goddamn boring that would be. Yeah. In the movie Office Space, the main character is talking to uh, his girlfriend in the movie, and he's basically talking to her and he even says you know this is all boring like he can't go into it it's just fucking <laughs> for the he, he said it was for the the year 2000 turnover or something like that ah but, well actually that's going to fit in perfectly what with what we're about to talk about in two seconds here um what well, like i mentioned like that's obviously very boring to do it was really easy money for them to cash in on people and businesses as, a business's fears, but as with most of the corporate penny pinchers, they were able to figure out how to do it themselves and killed the entire position of Y2K consultants. So, like you literally just mentioned, that would have been the perfect scenario. They had people come in f- to fix it for them, and they're just like, nah, 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 our employees will just do it for us. Yeah, we pay these people almost nothing, so you guys want too much. We already have them on the clock here, so <laughs> go fuck off. Y2K consultant sounds like such a like a job that has an endpoint. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, you're a Y2K consultant right now, like oh, making the big bucks. Like, don't buy a boat because you're gonna you're gonna need to put some money away for when times aren't as good on oh. January first, two thousand. Hold on, now I got okay. an interesting uh, rebuttal for that, Phil. The really interesting part of this was a huge chunk of the Y2K consultants, when their jobs were erased, actually found they had learned quite a bit of IT technology from doing it and were pretty easily able to slide right into the upcoming boom in coding websites. So even though technically that job was, you know, done, hashed out, because of their experience in messing with that stuff, a lot of these people essentially built or helped build kind of the internet boom that followed creating websites and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. So you're telling me that someone was billing themselves as a Y2K consultant, but they didn't get any IT knowledge until they actually went on the job and started messing with computers. Well, I think what it means is they knew some and they knew how to fix it. And when they kept doing it, as I'm assuming as they did it, they continuously learned more information. And with that, they were able to basically advance themselves into kind of building websites and learning coding and all of that. Doing the IT stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I remember when we went to high school, they had that little class where they were teaching us how to make the HTML websites the old shitty way of making a website. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I remember it was the most tedious, boring thing. Like, it obviously, nowadays, it's much easier. You know, they have services that basically do the coding for you. You just kind of, like, pop in things where you want it. But But I remember it was horribly fucking tedious back then. But think about that. That was in the year 2003, I think we started doing that, 2003 or four. Um, so that's three years after this. So, you know, a lot of these guys could have had a leg up in that. That's true. They were, they were connecting a lot with Barnes and Noble in this. Um, obviously I, I don't, we all know what Barnes and Noble is and apparently Barnes and Noble is a horrible company, but, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, (laughs) it's kind of interesting. I guess that's kind of how the world works, right? Yeah. Barnes and Noble is pretty much the last fucking hold on of bookstores out there, even though they're closing down more and more stores every year. Well, so, well, I don't think it's selling books is fine. They are owned by GameStop. Um, so ethically, <sighs> I'm saying ethically, they're not a very good store from what I, I've heard. Having any association with GameStop 
Yeah, you can't be. Unless you're just a normal on-the-ground person, you probably have still some of your soul left. But you're if, if you're a higher-up at GameStop at all, your soul is long fucking evaporated. Right. Yeah, it's remember that guy we used to watch videos on? Yeah, that yeah, was fucking he, hilarious. He So he keeps popping up on my YouTube feed occasionally because we were watching him. Um, God, he has so many videos. He's like, I just received this letter from GameStop threatening to sue me and this and that. I'm just like, yeah, that's not surprising at all with that fucking shady ass company. Yeah, definitely. Now let's get into the hysteria and the how capitalism essentially took advantage of it. Like it always does. Um, Mm. you could get at the time your very own Y2K survival kit, which included dehydrated food, water purifiers, battery-free flashlights, blankets, and waterproof matches. Uh, One company called Preparedness Resources ended up raking in $16 million selling these kits, which obviously had no return policy. Um, So there's that. Although I said this, a lot of this shit, even though it seems kind of silly, technically it is good stuff to have in any scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a survival kit. Obviously, we know now you want to have your fucking closet stocked with, you know, antibacterial soap, cleaning supplies, toilet paper, paper towels, all of that stuff. Um, It's good to have food on reserve for you never know if something does happen. We did see how quickly the fucking grocery stores can empty. So it's good to have those now. What's not good is What's that uh what's that guy who sells all of the prepper stuff? Is it the crazy conspiracist guy? Is it Adam oh, Jones? Alex Jones? Alex, Alex Jones. Jones. Yeah. Alex. He's the one who sells like the bucket of food on his That's uh, disgusting. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's dried out food that it's it's got like a hundred meals in it or something. That kind of shit is taking advantage of pe- preppers. Yeah, I think honestly, I think from what I've noticed uh, from people who get really involved in this, right? Like it's good to have emergency supplies. Um, I know in Minnesota, like, or those who deal with cold, like they recommend you in your car during the winter, you have a blanket, extra set of clothing that if you get stranded, you know, makes sense. This stuff in your house, you have basic survival stuff just in case something happened. I mean, hell that one year here, the power went out for like three days. Like you couldn't use the water or anything. And luckily we had stuff here, but it's just like stuff like that can happen. I mean, it doesn't have to be a doomsday scenario, but I've noticed these people, some of these people get into this mindset where they go way overboard. And then you start morphing into goddamn Alex Jones or, or something like that, where you're just like, you want to be the cocky person who has all this cool, all this survival shit that nobody else has. And you're going to be, you know, this Mad Max hero and all this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really. Whenever I see a prepper on those TV shows, I just think they look like just a more organized hoarder. Yeah. You know, they're basically yeah. just hoarding is what they're doing, but they're paranoid. They're very paranoid. Oh yeah. They're also that too. I mean, there's a, there's a few different mental illnesses all fucking mixing together. <laughs> Wrapped in there. Just a big Making soup a- of them. Yeah, making the batter for that fucking crazy person. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to read a few of my favorite book titles that I saw involving Y2K. Um, obviously, when crazy shit happens, the book market starts churning shit out. I've always noticed that. Um, COVID. Yeah. yeah, it's COVID, the Trump books, the everything. Anyway, um, here's here's one. Y2K, it's already too late. Um, why would you buy the book if it's too late? Then, <laughs> Yeah, I doubt that fucking book got sold. <laughs> In the title of the book, it's don't bother buying this book. <laughs> Time bomb 2000 What the year 2000 computer crisis means to you exclamation point. That's a good one. That's a that's a hot title right there. You would see that on like a news article <laughs> where they were clickbait articles. Yeah, I like kind of the title was chopped off though so you would wonder what the rest of the title was i i would love to have a couple of these books honestly uh this next one specifically for you phil uh millennium meltdown spiritual and practical strategies to survive y2k (laughs) thank god you're gonna tell me how to pray away the millennium bug awesome 
Oh God, I you. That's the other thing. These religious groups, dude, they love churning out books, and people are desperate. They love it. They just oh yeah, money. So, yeah, it's just like they know people are like desperate, and they buy this shit. Um, yeah. The Y2K Survival Guide and Cookbook. I mean, that could be good year round. To be honest, you could probably still has decent recipes in there. Yeah, if they teach you how to cook that rat that you caught underneath your mobile home, then yeah, definitely. And here's one that's uh, probably year 2000 acceptable misogyny, Y2K for women. Um, I don't yeah. know what is in that. I don't know. But there is a legitimate book called Y2K for women. Um, so, yeah, there's that. The book probably assumes that they don't know how to compu- use a computer or work. So <laughs> I honestly, that's probably what it is. You know, like things like that in the year 2000 or even 99 were like still socially acceptable. Um, obviously chapter, chapter one, what questions you should ask the man of the house. <laughs> yeah, exact. This book was probably written by Sean Connery from the sounds of it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> now this is, an, <laughs> here's another interesting thing that I don't think really got talked about much at the time. It was uh, no surprise that religious groups were using the turn of the millennium as a date of end times as well. They always seem to do that. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of cults claim that they would do something quote big for the turn of the century, which caused the FBI to worry that one of them might either do a mass suicide or perform some sort of mass act of violence. Um, but as far as we can tell, none of that happened, but that seemed to be a really really big concern that one of the groups were going to do something like that, which I didn't being 14 at the time, I would have never thought about that. But as a, an adult now, especially when that's dug into true crime and cults and all that, like I guarantee some little cult or something did something fucked up at that time. Yeah. Well, it's just like that show that I mentioned that episode of the touch by an angel. That was one of the things was kind of like a doomsday aspect to the whole September 9th, 1999. But the weird thing is, well, I guess not really weird thing. So I was going to say, we grew up in Iowa to both Catholic families. Yeah. And one of the biggest thing for Catholics is we only really go to church on like Christmas and Easter. Maybe we miss one of those two days. So we don't really think of religion as being that big of a deal. Other people do consider religion a big deal, or the people who right. believe in it. Obviously, we you know we should probably less and less every day. But we should state that I this is my I think this is my family. We only went to church to appease somebody else, and in my case, that was my grandma. Um, we haven't went since uh, her passing, and even before that. So, <laughs> I think it was just kind of like a saving face thing, in my opinion. Yeah, we never went to church. So we went to Catholic school, uh, obviously, like we've mentioned a million times before. Yeah. And we had to go every single week, but they would never see us there on Sunday. The only times we ever would ever get seen there on Sundays was when my grandparents from Emmitsburg were coming to visit. Then we would have to go to church or when my dad would want someone to think that we were religious. So then we who would get us up to go to church. And honestly, we all bitched the entire way there. Luckily, it only lasted for like one or two weeks. Uh, just think about that. We went to church every Friday during school. What a nightmare. Religion class once an hour. or ev- <laughs> Religious class every day for an hour to start off every morning, which explains why we're both not very good at reading or <laughs> math. <laughs> those Science. things are stupid. You don't, you don't need those in heaven, Phil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well. Let's get into the, the the part of the episode where we talk about what problems actually did arise from Y2K. Now, yeah. the U.S. government was well aware that the Y2K bug was going to cause some problem to their outdated system. But as mentioned, the U.S. government generally just tries to ignore the problem. Uh, the U.S. government as a whole spent less than $100 billion on fixes, of which only $9 billion was from the federal government with the Pentagon receiving the bulk of that, which was about $3.5 billion. Um, I kind of feel like the Pentagon should have been <laughs> the one that was the most concerned about it. Apparently not. Um, yeah. But they still had a lot of problems. Not anything ca- catastrophe-wise, but they certainly had a problems, or certainly had problems. 
apparently for three days after the turn into the year 2000s, their spy satellites were completely non-functioning. Their streams were producing nothing more than indecipherable data. Um, now, while three three days might not seem like a lot, one Pentagon official at the time stated that it was a rather significant problem. Ironically, the issues were not actually caused from the dates rolling over. It was actually caused by a faulty software patch that was designed to fix the issue. So, of course. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is why you don't hire the Geek Squad to fix Pentagon spy satellites right here. Um, oh, I, I imagine they got they took the fucking lowest quote. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can you guys can make something up that'll do it. And it's just two dudes in a fucking garage. You guys are nerds, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, we're nerds. Yeah, we can fix it. OK, you give them the 20 million dollars and then they just make a faulty patch. <laughs> oh, but did you hear about this happening? No, I didn't hear about it happening. I doubt if they fucking advertise this shit at all. So, well, yeah, I know. It's just like Jesus. That I mean, obviously they're not going to advertise that, but goddamn, that had to be like I don't know, them shit in their pants. They were probably claiming at the time that those spy satellites didn't exist at all. True. So very true. Yeah. Good point, Phil. Now the rest of these are kind of well. I get a lot of the rest of these are kind of silly, except for a couple here. Um, in the year 1999, John Travolta starred in the military drama called The General's Daughter. Uh, how do you feel about this movie? I remember it. A I think it was The General's Daughter was sexually assaulted during a like a military exercise. Is that the movie? Yeah, yeah, and they were trying to figure out who... And then uh, they, someone killed her or she went missing or something like that. I didn't think it was that bad of a movie, but apparently a lot of people thought it was shit. Yeah, it was it was all right. It was uh, the general was trying to cover it up. Oh, to that's protect what it is. And that's it turned out the general hired someone to kill the daughter. I think I don't, it was something like that. He yeah. was trying to cover it up to protect the unit instead of his own kid. Yep. OK, that rings bells now. Yeah, he was the well, that he wasn't the monster that did the sexually assaulting. He was the monster who like sold out his own daughter, basically. Yep. OK. Yep. That's ringing bells now. Anyway, this isn't about the movie. One resident of upstate New York decided to, to rent this blockbuster hit. But when he returned the movie, he was in for a little surprise. The VHS uh, rental store's computer couldn't escape the wrath of the Y2K bug and ended up believing that the man was returning the VHS 100 years overdue. Uh, and he owed the store $91,250. Uh, I said those are public library fees right there, but yeah. they quickly fixed the issue and in the end gave the man a free video rental for his trouble. So that's, that's kind of fun. That's how you know he didn't rent from Blockbuster Video, because if he rented from Blockbuster Video, they would have wanted him to pay the $91,000, the <laughs> yeah. $91,250, and definitely wouldn't have went soft on him. Like, no, computer says you owe this much money. So, well, they to give this they would have been like this is why you get the blockbuster edge card then you don't have to worry about fees like this or whatever their stupid rewards oh, card yeah. thing was their little fucking membership deal yeah, right that no one belonged to right <laughs> now as no surprise it uh, kind of sucks to have to work on new year's eve and imagine working on new year's eve for the turn of the millennium and you have to experience a y2k glitch well, a few minutes after the turn into the new millennium, workers at the Angawa nuclear power plant began hearing their alarms start to go off. The computers were picking up a problem with a device that measured the temperature of the surrounding seawater. The whole ordeal lasted about 10 minutes and the issues were fixed and there were no other serious issues. But imagine the headspace. You at the time cannot determine if something's going to go bad or not. And you're at a nuclear power plant and the fucking alarms start going off right after the time switches. I imagine these people were shitting their pants. They were probably joking for months before this, being like, oh, I bet once the clock strikes midnight, all of the little, you know, all the little fucking lights and alarms are going to go off. And they probably had a big laugh about it. Then all of a sudden, it, you know, midnight starts to turn over. Everyone's a little nervous, but just kind of like, oh, laughing at each other. And then it fucking happens. Yeah. That'd be amazing. <laughs> a lot of poopy pants in that day there. You know what's funny yep. about this? I obviously not on this level, but I had a weird 
thing like this. And I was actually talking with somebody at work about this right when the Trump hillbillies were storming the Capitol, like we're watching it on the news. And mm. at that very moment, it went to like that um, warning screen. And for a moment there, I was like, holy shit, did something like really bad happening? I don't know why, like the purge or something came in my mind. Um, oh. Obviously, okay, I should rephrase that. Something bad did happen because it was an Amber Alert, but the sequence of events, how it popped up, my mind didn't immediately think of that. I was like, holy shit, because it's like that warning system from the government, you know? Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the moment, I was like, holy shit, what just happened? That's weird. There was an Amber Alert here, too, that night. That's Really? Odd. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know here, I think they caught the guy and everything, uh, so that's good. But uh, uh, yeah, it was just like the the sequence of events was just like really like, Jesus Christ, did the nuke bomb go off or something? But uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it was weird. It'd be a perfect time to pull something because when all of the cameras are pointed at the Capitol building, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? Anyway, <laughs> uh, the... Shika nuclear power station experienced its own issues at the turn of the millennium. The Y2K glitch caused some of the plant's alarms to go offline. Additionally, a computer at the government office that monitors the plant also went dead. So I guess that one, I don't know, that one's a little scarier as well. Um, it seems like Japan, out of every country, seemed to have the most issues from what I could find. Although... A lot of them were just kind of like annoying hiccups, not really anything too serious, not like doomsday or nothing, obviously. The U.S. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, I'm surprised that the Russian nuclear power plants didn't have more problems, considering at that time they didn't have a shit ton of money to pay for a lot of that stuff. This was during the Boris Yeltsin time. Actually, Y2K was when Boris Yeltsin basically handed over power. To Putin? to to Putin, yeah, really. Well, we I, talked about that in the prior episode, but I'm guessing Russia probably wouldn't have acknowledged any problems they were having. You think they would have acknowledged? Them? They wouldn't have. Sorry, they wouldn't have. Oh, yeah, no, definitely they wouldn't have. No. Yeah, they could have had a fucking meltdown, and we wouldn't hear about it. <laughs> I think they're still trying to say Chernobyl is a lie. No, everyone went on vacation. <laughs> uh, the Na- the U.S. Naval Observatory seemed to have its own issues. It was established in 1830, but over time it became the official timekeeper for the United States, and it had its own uh, embarrassing issue. In the early hours of the year 2000, the website listed the date as January 1st, 19,100, uh, but that would be fixed <laughs> <laughs> within uh, less than an hour. Man, they people probably thought they tra- traveled uh, forward in time quite a bit there. Yeah, about, what, 18,000 years or so? <laughs> yeah, that's when, uh, well, the only person who's still alive then is probably Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, maybe, you know, a couple of those other guys, Elon Musk. It's like Futurama. They've all got their heads in the jars. In the jars there, hell yeah. yeah. On the One of the first Millennium Babies born in Denmark had its own fun issues, the hospital's computer systems experienced a glitch that accidentally registered the newborn as being 100 years old. So that's kind of cool there. A 100-year-old a baby. Benjamin Button issue there. <laughs> a German opera company called Duce Apur, I think, had a problem with their computer systems that accidentally reverted all of its dates back to 1900, which might not seem like a big deal, but it caused issues with interpreting the age of their employees, which in turn temporarily prevented the employees from collecting child subsidies from the government, which was included on their payroll. So that is actually a very, very big issue. Yeah, that uh, that word you're trying to read is Deutsch. 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 Yeah, that's the for Germany. Okay. It's like the the word is basically like German. German opera. Yeah, yeah. well either way, the uh the name of the company is not the important part. The the important part yeah. is uh some of these people who relied on government subsidies kind of got fucked over for a few weeks there because of that. So clearly yeah. they didn't give enough fucks to fix their computers. Hopefully they accidentally got old people pensions. <laughs> instead of the child care that'd be great if well oh wow this person's 123 <laughs> instead of 23 we better send them the fucking i think send them their checks. i think it actually did the reverse 
because it thought they were too old to be receiving subsidies. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Instead oh, of getting for their children. They got it for old it, people. Got it for their, their, yeah, their social security, old people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, pretty much the final one here. Uh, one lucky German man learned that his bank account had an interesting glitch. On January 1st, 2000, it glitched out and credited him a deposit for $6 million dollars which listed the date of the transaction as December 30th, 1899. So uh, obviously he's not going to be able to keep that money, although he probably should. Uh, so yeah, there was that. There, there's a lot of, there is a lot of issues um, with computers and stuff, but it wasn't anything um, extremely damaging. It was mainly just like, probably like the uh, German company experienced or time issues or things like that. So there was problems. It just wasn't like the whole world got wiped out because of Y2K. So I I wonder if the glitch happened with the money because of the date. I wonder if it was an interest accrual. Uh, that very well could be. It's interesting. It only happened to one person, though, at that bank. Yeah, that is odd. So I, I, I don't know if maybe he had like a certain transaction that happened on a certain date that just like glitched the system out, you know, just like a one in a million chance that it, it did that for him or whatever. Yeah. Maybe it was one of those transactions that had like a time signature on it. So it happened exactly January 1st at 12 o'clock, zero seconds, you know, one of those situations. Right. Yeah. So basically, you know, my episode was like, could this be a conspiracy that, the corporations uh, may, you know, excelled the hype into Y2K to sell more shit, which, but I don't think they did. I think they just took advantage of dire situations like they always do. Um, yes. And obviously, in hindsight, Y2K seems a bit silly. Um, and the fact that it kind of swarmed the world kind of seems a bit silly. But at the time, it was a legitimate fear. And I think the most important lesson, as we mentioned, is that Things like Y2K, global events, uh, national disasters. It's sad to say the U.S. government just isn't built to handle any of that with any sort of competency. So um, they did bring up that the date 2035 is the date to keep attention to. I don't know why I didn't look into that, but uh, apparently that's a date in the future that could be causing problems with computers and such. So... Yeah, what do you, okay, now that you, were you surprised there was so many problems because of Y2K? I had heard of a couple of these. I heard, obviously, everyone's heard about the guy who got the late fee from the movie store. The Blockbuster like, or whatever it was. Whatever, whatever VHS rental place that was. Everyone's heard of that one. I had heard about some problems at nuclear reactors. I didn't hear about the German guy and his bank account glitch. <laughs> though if anyone's ever played monopoly that is very classic bank error in your favor go fuck yourself yeah i'm taking money out i should have looked what what happened i, I mean i i guarantee i mean i miss if this was if that was the u.s and that was wells fargo uh that man probably would have gotten arrested for some sort of financial scam or something Oh, yeah. It would have been the bank's fault that he had that money, but then the bank would have had him arrested. Yeah. Just to cut tracks. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, you know what I'm going to say? I hope none of uh, we don't ever have to experience something like that again. But it is kind of scary to think about. We are even more reliant on computers. So there's that. Exponentially more reliant on computers. Computers, even in 2000, were... I mean, in 2000, they were starting to turn the corner. Well, actually, it was during more than mid-90s. They were starting to turn the corner. But it was in the 2000s that we're starting to get the kind of computer technologies that we're seeing today. Right, right. We were so. only a couple of years away from iPhones. And we were, I mean, in 2000, if you watch TV from back in 2000, like uh, The Adventures of Lois and Clark, the Superman show from back in the 90s, I was watching old reruns of that about two or three months ago, basically every time, because they were both, they're both journalists, Lois and Clark, anytime some big news thing would happen, instead of people like taking phones out of their pockets and instantly calling, they all ran outside and were fighting over pay phones. And I remember <laughs> thinking, like, man, that was not that long ago that 
If you had to call someone, you would have to go find a phone. And you hear about it all the time on like the true crime, crime in sports or small town murder. That's the show I'm thinking of. In small town murder, they keep having to preface every time they say the reason why they didn't immediately call 911 is they had to go find a phone. <laughs> Your mind, you're just like, oh, just call 911. But you had to go find a phone back then. So. Right. Right. I know. That's the uh, that's the sad truth. Now, when I think of a payphone, all I think about is all the disgusting <laughs> germs and people who have been touching that thing. Crackheads making calls on it and just dirt. Homework people shitting it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you, cell phones, even though you are greedy sons of bitches as well. But uh, but uh, I hope everybody loved this episode. Um, if you want to support the show, you like the show. And you, you think Phil and I have earned a few bucks, uh, check out our Patreon. Phil and I try to release new episodes of our Off the Record series, which is basically just us bullshitting, talking about world topics, things like that. Um, you can hear those for as little as I think it's $2. Um, join that. Watch. We've got, I don't know how many we have, Phil, maybe like seven or eight of them up. Some, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, thank you to everybody who's chosen to support us over there. We will, we will be getting more rewards as we earn more income. We turn that income into goods and such like that. That's just how Patreon works. So uh, go over to patreon.com slash subliminalception. If you can't find it that way, you can go on to our website, subliminaldeception.com, and there's a direct link to it there for you. What else can they do on subliminaldeception.com, Phil? Yeah, they can hit us up on our email subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I mean, honestly, we were getting quite a few pre-Christmas, but ever since New Year's, we've been getting a bunch of great mail from our listeners and our patrons. So thank you very much for all of that. We've also been getting a lot of great hits on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. That is actually probably the easiest way to get a hold of the show. Uh, both Cody and I have access to that, and we love hearing from people. So thank you for that. And thank you for everyone who's either mentioned or posted or just told us about how much they enjoyed the cards that they got from us. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Cody and I both also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is sdpodphil. Uh, I am checking it more and more and, and I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of people who, you know, get a hold of me. So <laughs> thank you for that. Cody, you got one also? Yeah. Follow my personal Instagram at Cody'sabub. Uh, some of the post memes or whatever. Uh, the other thing we need you guys to do is if you are an iTunes listener, please leave the show a five star review. Doesn't really matter what you write in there. Uh, just type I hate you, but make sure it's five stars. If you're a Spotify user, all you have to do is hit that follow button. And it's apparently like an iTunes review for Spotify helps us boost up in the ratings, helps us reach more people. Otherwise, guys, I hope you enjoyed this little nostalgia trip, learned a little bit more about Y2K, and uh, it's very interesting. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.